Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. Some of you guys know me as El Conservador, others as Richie V, Mr. Call Screener, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and we are here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to jump into. I want to talk about some history, the history of testing on humans in Puerto Rico. That's the whole eugenics thing. Margaret Sanger wanted to get to that. But I also want to talk about the latest from James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe has a new undercover video that exposes the left and how they've infiltrated public schools. And right from their mouths, you're going to hear a high school teacher talk about why he's loud and proud with his Antifa flag. And then we're going to jump into some Biden stuff because I think the president is about to speak shortly to probably take a victory lap for getting a, a bunch of young soldiers killed and wrecking the security of the Middle East and destroying our relationships with so many allies. But you know, one of the things that I love about America is that the more and more I talk to people that grew up really poor, kind of like me. Again, I wasn't in the projects, but we were very poor. One of the things that we all have in common is that none of us thought we were really that poor until we met people that were slightly better off. Now, I don't know if that's the case for everybody. I don't think that's even the case today. I think people today know they're poor because you have more access to what's going on in the world. I didn't have a cell phone. There was a lot of times when I was a little kid, we didn't even have a rotary phone. So no cable. If you had money, you'd have a Betamax player or then later on a VCR. So we had two channels, right? Channel 2, Channel 4, well, three channels, Channel 7, and then Channel 5 and 11 came in kind of spotty, and then you would turn it to the UHF signal, and you had uh, Channel 41 and Channel 47, and that was it. So you had about five channels when I was a really little kid that were in color. And the TV was so jacked up, we used to use an alicate or uh, like a set of pliers (laughs) to turn the channel knob because the plastic rotator thingy had uh, broken off. And the antenna, of course, was a hanger wrapped in aluminum foil. So, you know, I look it back at, uh, I look it back. There's a good grammar. Mr. Jaworski would be proud. I look back at those times and I think this is probably why family and faith and community are so important to people that live in poverty. Not to say that it's not important to other people who may be not as uh, well off financially or who are better off financially, but it's a literal system of survival for people in poverty. Community, la comunidad, that's what it's all about. 
So I bring that up because I was flipping through, you know, my Facebook and I saw somebody had shared something. And, you know, Facebook just throws things in your feed. You'll click on something for like some conservative content, which I enjoy. And then it'll like show you other stuff. And it showed me this lady who does like makeup tutorials while telling mystery stories. Her name's Bailey Sarian. I hope I said that right anyway. Um, and she mentioned in her story this documentary that came out in the 80s called La Operación. And it's a documentary about the uh, scientific experiments, or I should say torture and sterilization, that was conducted on women in Puerto Rico back in the 50s, the late 50s into the 60s. And I thought, wow, this is pretty crazy stuff. Because you know, you, you'd know, you heard about it, you'd read about it, but you, I never really kind of delved in on it. So I started doing a little research, and probably not as much research as I should. But I want to share it with you because I thought it was just really fascinating how they went you know, peddling birth control door to door because, in their opinion, overpopulation is what was causing poverty, not how much money you earn and your opportunity and how you react to these opportunities. So clearly they're idiots, but they hurt a lot of people along the way. But I want you to hear maybe like half a minute of the trailer for this film. Check this out. In 1937, a bill was passed in Puerto Rico allowing the sterilization of women. One woman will have to make a choice whether or not to go through with this procedure. What if you're left with no choice? Para que desperdiciarle su tiempo cuando el mejor método ya ha sido creado. ¿Cuál es ese método? Es un método conocido por el nombre de esterilización. So this is the story of Margaret Sanger. And, you know, she's the one that started Planned Parenthood. Her idea was that the poorest, most impoverished areas were poor and impoverished because people were having too many children. Now, again, there's a presupposition there that you're so stupid, you don't know that you're broke because you have such big families. Yet there were other families that were large and they weren't necessarily viewed... um, as stupid, even if they were poor. And I think a lot of it had to do with where you lived. I think if you lived in the Midwestern part of the United States and had a large family, it was viewed as family values. If you had a large family in Puerto Rico, it was viewed as uh, you're dumb and it's poverty. Now, am I uh, making the case for implied, implicit bias, uh, systemic racism? Not necessarily, but again, in this system that they created of a clinical trial, it seems that uh, race was definitely a part of it because Margaret Sanger is a known eugenicist, right? I mean, she literally worked with, I'm not going to say the Nazis, but she definitely worked with the KKK on a number of occasions because they felt we have to get rid of the least desirable part of our society, those members that just don't contribute. And of course, this in, in and of itself is a very totalitarian view, at least in, in my view. But this is what she was all about. So they went peddling birth control pills door to door to all of these women because their only other option was actual sterilization, which was permanent and uh, viewed as somewhat dangerous. And this was like, hey, take this pill. It's a miracle. There you go. You're done. And some people went for it because women knew that the number one thing keeping them away from the workforce, being able to work in a factory, being able to work wherever because women were now allowed to work, was getting pregnant. And that wasn't always an exact science, especially if they didn't use other forms of contraception. So it it just really struck me as um, really, really 
remarkable, if you will, that's probably the best word to use, that this has persisted to date. And again, I don't know how much of this uh, plays a part in it. But birth rates are down all across America. And yep, you guessed it, in Puerto Rico, they're still down. And the results of what they were doing back in the 50s, by 1959, Puerto Rico had the highest sterilization rate globally. And is still somewhat um, in like probably the top 10 of the lowest birth rates today. So my uh, thinking on this is, why am I even talking about this? Is because there's a number of people that seem to be obsessed with the idea of, I'm going to call it population control, but I think a lot of people refer to it as depopulation. And I think they're different, right? I think when China says, look, you can have one kid. Okay, now you can have two kids. And now they recently upped it to three, which makes you think, hmm, um, maybe they are doing some population control, which of course is clear. I mean, they controlled how many people were born. And quite frankly, when they were building these makeshift COVID hospitals in, in uh, what's the name of that town again? Wuhan, got you all in check. And when they had these big hospitals that were basically tents and they had built them multiple floors and they were like makeshift hospitals and then all of a sudden they imploded and they were, you know, oh my gosh, hundreds of people, a thousand people died. It begs the question, did you guys do that on purpose? I think they did. That's again, me being the uh, tinfoil hat conspiracist that I am. And you guys know that that's not really my shtick. But I think this is a real big deal. I think it's a very big deal. Because as they literally depopulated their society. But the problem is in China, they have so many people that it's kind of difficult to to catch up and keep up. Plus, they do a lot of lying. But I don't think the population in China is decreasing, even though they're trying to control it. I think they have more people than anybody, and it's growing and growing and growing. And that's why they use these controls. And I don't agree with them, but I'm just saying I think that's why they do what they do. Big difference between depopulation, meaning you have... 100,000 people today and tomorrow you have 99,000 and the next time you have 98,000, we have less and less people. And again, in and of itself, I would say not necessarily my issue. And I don't mean the human rights abuses and all that. I mean, overall, there are some people that are absolutely obsessed with this concept and everything goes back to that. It's like, oh, oh, don't take this. Don't take that. Don't let them give you this. Don't let them give you that. They're doing it because it's depopulation. Yeah, George Soros, depopulate. And I'm thinking, all right, great. If it makes you feel better to just say everything is depopulation, everything is the deep state, everything is George Soros, great. But I got to tell you, I like to think. Maybe I'm an overthinker, a chronic overthinker, but I like to have an idea of what's going on. I like to have a good sense of why people are doing this and try to make logic out of it. And when you can't make logic out of it, you got to try and think like they do. So clearly, Margaret Sanger... Like most uh, crazy radicals, they cover up their true sentiment with what they preach in their rhetoric, right? So I really do want liberty. I don't want just some liberty. I want lots of liberty. So my test is give me as much of it as I want. And I support that. I I want the liberals out there saying what they say. I don't want to silence the left. Let the left say as much as they want. That's why I always tell you, you got to get more involved and let's do this and let's do that. I want to compete with the left and I want to win and I want to beat them. 
But people like Margaret Sanger, they say, no, we're trying to do this in the name of poverty. Oh, I see, poverty. So while you're doing this in the name of poverty, people are still poor in Puerto Rico and people are still poor in the hood in the United States. In every single hood where they have Planned Parenthood centers all over the place and liquor stores to match. So are you really doing it to help people that are poor? Or are you doing it because you just don't like people of color? I would say that's probably the case. Margaret Sanger is a real racist in my opinion. Maybe you'll argue, no, 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 Rich, she's great. She's not a racist. She just doesn't like uh, poor people that are stupid. (laughs) Okay, maybe you're a racist too. But my point in all of this is I think her true motivation was, especially when she was meeting with the uh, KKK and the wives and the auxiliaries of the KKK, to say the least, white supremacy But they just truly believed that everyone else was evil and they brought disease and they were an inferior type of human. And if you espouse those thoughts and feelings, well, then F you, right? I mean, what am I going to say in the most polite way? I think that's the wrong way to think of people. And again, that's probably my uh, Christian worldview. I think, you know, God made us all. We may look different. We're all different, but we're all the same. Our intrinsic value as humans is the same. One person isn't worth more or less than the next person. And I don't mean to get preachy, but my point is I hear so much of this rhetoric in center-right media when we're constantly demonizing the people that were invited here by Joe Biden. So much so that many of them are crossing the Rio Grande River wearing shirts that say Biden. I'm not saying I want to welcome every immigrant. I'm saying shut down the border and do it right. But the guy that's in charge of that is saying, hey, just come in. I'm just going to turn a blind eye. Let as many in as you can. So I'm not here to demonize the the immigrant that's coming in here. I don't want to say that they're bringing disease and they're bringing... And again, these may be matters of fact. So when they are, they are. But I can't just make blanket statements and say that this one and that one and this, you know. We we have to know what we're doing because we don't want to look stupid in our argument. And I think that's just a really... Uh, important point, at least a point of contention that I've had, is is key and is critical here. Because if you don't stand for what's right when you see something wrong, then everything has no standard. There's no precedent to anything. Then we're lost, right? And then it's like my uh, closing statements. If we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. We can't just stand for something some of the time because that inconsistency will be the end of us. And we'll continue to see more people like Clarence Gamble, heir to the Proctor Gamble fortune, funding research like this with their buddy Dr. Pincus, damaging and killing humans in the process, not in the name of profit, but in the name of their own ideological crusade against people of color. Is that still happening today? In so much as I know, no. But did it once happen? And are those people still around? And are there crazy lefty Planned Parenthood people that hate God and hate America? Hell yeah, there's a whole lot of them out there. So I like to reflect on this history and just be aware that not everything that once was isn't anymore. There are still nefarious characters out there. There are still crazy racist Nazi types. And we should never embrace that rhetoric. Because it'll eventually come back and bite us in the ass. Keep it locked right there. My name is Rich Valdez. You're listening to This Is America. This is America. 
College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. This is America. All right, welcome back, America. Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And I want to uh, thank you for all of the uh, positive reviews on the podcast and for everybody tuning in on iHeartRadio. Welcome. And, of course, everybody that's chiming in on social media, thank you so much. At Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez. I try to do my best to get back to everybody that sends me notes, messages. And thank you for everybody that shares stuff with me. Uh, if you listen regularly, you'll see that a lot of the stuff you share, I end up either putting on this program or moving it forward, sharing it with other people in this business of talk radio so that they can uh, be aware of it as well. So keep sharing and keep the information flow going and keep the uh, ideas and conversation going because that's what's up. Now, quick news stuff that I want to talk about. I'm just looking at this news stuff. 639 Americans have died from COVID. Google is extending its work from whole policy, policy until when? January 10th, 2022. Then masks to be required in Pennsylvania schools. Ay, ay, ay. By the way, I'll be on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, the big talker, live in Philly from 10 to noon tomorrow on Wednesday. If you want to tune in and check it out, the phone number is 855 839 1210. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you and get your opinions on what we're talking about tomorrow. Then we got. The U.S. is now approaching January's hospitalization peak. So we're a little over two months ago. Less than 12,000 patients were in U.S. hospitals, according to federal data. But there's been an improvement when it comes to vaccines. Blah, 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 blah. I don't want to really get into this too heavy. These are just headlines that I wanted to go into, but I found that one interesting. Fifteen people are charged in fake vaccine card conspiracy, according to prosecutors. Vaccine effectiveness against hospitalization dropped slightly, according to the CDC. That's a good story. The CDC has previously estimated that 97% of people in the hospital being treated for COVID-19 are unvaccinated, but that data was collected before the spread of the Delta variant, a hypertransmissible variant that many doctors have warned, blah, 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 getting people sicker, even though it's less lethal. Blah, 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 blah. This latest CDC analysis estimates that the ability of the COVID vaccines to keep a person out of the hospital is now between 75 and 95%. So what's interesting is that 75% is literally 20 points away from 95%. And these things are changing on a regular basis. There's a really steep decline and it's coming from June and July. So as we are here in September, we can expect that they're going to have new numbers out soon that'll say, hey, look, this thing's only 75, maybe 68, maybe 62% efficacy, whatever. The, the point is, and I'm not knocking the vaccine per se. I'm knocking the people that swear by it like it's a damn religion. That's what I knock. Just like they say, follow the science. It's clear I was listening to one doctor yesterday, and again, this doctors and vaccines is not the topic, but it just became it sort of, I'm hijacking my own segment. But this doctor was talking about the vaccines being um, 
Wonderful. He loves him. He recommends him, all this stuff. But he was saying, zero match for somebody that was infected with COVID-19 and has antibodies and has built up their own immunity. And that this seems to continually be overlooked. So I just thought that was interesting. And maybe we'll do something on that for the next show or I'll do it on the radio tomorrow. But right now, what I want to talk about is Project Veritas, right? Project Veritas, my buddy James O'Keefe, O'Kizzle My Nizzle, as he's known on this program. He's uh, gotten some really good undercover footage, and it's about 10 minutes long. I just shared it on Twitter a little while ago, but I want to play a little audio clip of this audio for you because I think it's really important, really important that we pay attention to what's happening in the schools. And I'm talking about all schools, your kids' schools, my kids' schools. I have one kid that's out of high school, one that's two years away from being out of high school. I'm not going to stop caring about public school just because my kids are out. I'm going to thank God that they're out, pray that they go to a nice uh, uh, conservative Christian uh, university so they can learn to think and learn about the classics and learn everything that one learns in college without the pressure and the indoctrination. Now you're thinking, what, Rich, come on. You just want your kids to be indoctrinated one way versus the other way. Indoctrinated to the right and not the left. No, not necessarily. And I really mean that. Um, I want my kids to hear both sides of the argument and learn how to think logically. Sadly, as you guys know, in so many of these leftist schools, there's one side to the story. Their side, it's the right way, Everybody else is bad. The Constitution's bad. God is bad. And Trump is a Nazi. And that's it, right? That's how they frame it, pretty much, um, being hyperbolic. But that is how they do it. But James O'Keefe, he's got this new piece out. And in Sacramento, California, he's got this teacher, Mr. Geip is his name. And he's an Antifa guy. He brags about being a leftist activist, and he says, look, I only got, what do you say, how many months? Well, you'll hear the clip, but he says, I have X amount of months to turn these kids into revolutionaries. And he means this with all of his heart and soul. And that's why I always say, that's what we're up against. He talked about his wife, but he in the video, he doesn't talk about his kids. And a lot of these people have refused to have children because... They believe that bringing a child into this world is bad because of the environment, because of this, because of that, because they hate the family. They hate children. They don't like any of this stuff. They can't go out and, and do their Antifa stuff in the middle of the night because that's how it works, right? You become a teacher, so you have this guaranteed income. doesn't matter. You, can, you can't get fired. In most states, the, the teacher's union is so strong. You could do just about anything, and we saw that even in New York where there were teachers that were accused of sexual assault that were just moved to what they called rubber rooms, where they just sat there all day and did nothing. But they collected a paycheck and they showed up. I mean, just crazy stuff. So these people uh, are real deal radicals, revolutionaries, that want to change your children and my children so that they can change America. In the last episode of This is America, we talked about how they want to change the definition of free speech by trying to redefine the Constitution and saying that, well, you know, free speech is flawed. And if it causes harm, then it really shouldn't be free. What? Absolute craziness. But anyway, I want you to listen to this clip from James O'Keefe. I like what you said in our phone call. 
You're like, I have 180 days, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. And that's the question. Yeah. Because a lot of them are indifferent. I think they're distracted by the gadgets and sure. video games. How do you do that? How do you... Yeah, the ball. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's like... My wife and I have been political organizers. I've been organizing since I was 13. Wow. And and I've been in a ton of different organizations. Um, and I've, I've, you know, I've been on the front lines and I've taken a step back and gone back and forth. And, and my wife is the same way. Um, is there a local Antifa or chapter? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, the, the Sacramento organization that is under the banner of Antifa is, is very loosely organized, right? Um, and, like, we, we have no official like member yeah, yeah, list yeah, right yeah. um so like yeah when when there is like right-wing rallies and stuff then we like we'll create an opposition to that yeah um so and and sacramento uh you know as as the city itself is, is incredibly diverse but um we're surrounded so by I, a bunch of right-wing rednecks and then um the other really big organization in our area that uh if you're looking to get involved is um norcal resist um, NorCal Resist does uh, direct outreach um, for like undocumented folks. Um, they help them with like material support as well as legal aid and support with the help of uh, National Lawyers Guild. Um, so they work in tandem with each other. So that's why I do like political efficacy events because I want to get them out in the community. I want to get them familiar with organizations that are doing work, what type of work they're doing, how they can be involved, yeah. where their passion is, and what they can contribute. Because it's yeah. like every single one of us can do something. Yeah. I'm not asking you to all be on the front lines but I am asking you to be involved and yeah. it is so much more than just sharing a tweet or posting on Instagram wow no, I can't add anything to that nothing I can add I can, I'm just as floored as you are you've got the hidden camera footage this is how these people and this is just one sample for everybody that's looking at this thinking oh that you just found the one radical no Sadly, that's not the case. If they're under 40 and they're in a classroom, they're likely to be radicals like this guy. Sadly. Especially the further out west you go and New York City. Maybe in Jersey you might get a little bit of a uh, home court advantage. A lot of the younger teachers are you know, from the area. Not as radical, but radical. You know, they're still going to push all of the... Uh, anti-racism and again well what's wrong with anti-racism nothing's wrong with being an anti-racist unless you have to walk around and say that you're an anti-racist to prove that you're against racism when people try to corner you into a box to say hey look if you're not an anti-racist you are a i'm a regular person you moron i don't have to say i'm an anti-crime activist because i think it's wrong to murder people the way that the left has hijacked what used to be called logic is absolutely out of control. But this is where they are. And now the attack is on. It's after you. It's after your children. Using every last bit of the media. Which reminds me. I want to get into something about the uh, Bakersfield School Board. But before I do. Speaking of the media. My kid. She sends me this um, TikTok or Instagram or whatever. And she's like. Oh pretty valid points here. Check it out. So I check it out. And it's somebody lip syncing. Like doing one of those things where they lip sync a song. But I had recognized the song was a song by Tom McDonald that came out like a month ago or three weeks ago called Brainwashed. I think it's called Brainwashed. 
Step one, train the people only to consume. Step two, infiltrate adults with the news. Step three, indoctrinate the children through the schools and the music and the apps on the phones that they use. Step four, separate the right from the left. Step five, separate the white from the black. Step six, separate the rich from the poor. Use religion and equality to separate them more. Step seven, fabricate a problem made a lie. Step eight, put it on the news every night. Step nine, when people start to fight and divide, take control. This is called situation. Design. They can't stop us, cause we're ready to fight, trying to brainwash us, but we won't let freedom die, the whole world's brainwashed. But he goes through these steps, right? And he talks about how, you know, step one is this and how they're using the media and they're trying to divide people by color, by income, by, I mean, it's just, it's the Communist Manifesto. And, you know, so much of leftist thought wrapped up into a couple of rap lyrics from a white guy that has braids and tattoos on his face and is a really good musician, in my opinion. But I look at all that and I'm like, man, this guy nails it. And, you know, he's reaching a younger population of people that I probably couldn't reach and they'd probably think I was soft or, or you know, boring. Meanwhile, he's bringing the fire. So I think, you know, we need that. But we also need parents, parents that are going to stand up to this stuff, activists like O'Keefe that are going to get this on tape and expose it and make sure you watch the whole clip of that video. That was just a little piece of it. And One of the groups that uh, I have uh, done some activism with and I, I support because I think it's great is Lexit and uh, they're, they're, they're all over the place, but... Jesse Holguin is out in L.A., and uh, his guy, Anthony Rodriguez, A-Rod, good guy. I've had dinner with these guys down in D.C. when we uh, visited the White House, and he references that in this speech. He's in Bakersfield, and he's got five kids in the school system, and he went down there to the parent uh, portion of the school board meeting, and he gave them a piece of his mind. And I think that's what every parent needs to do. We need to remind these people, because again, you know, five, seven, ten years ago, remember, I was a school board for a while. People always complain, teachers in particular, I'm buying notebooks out of my pocket, I'm buying crayons, markers, whatever, but I love the kids, and that's cool. God bless them. But they also complain, it'd be nice if the parents played a role. The parents have completely abandoned us, making us be, you know, the mom and the teacher, raising their kids in a classroom. Now, I think that's wrong. And I don't think a parent is abandoning a child because they dropped them off at school. Now, if you're going to say, yeah, but these parents, they don't even help them with homework. They don't check the homework. I, I could agree that parents need to be better in that area. No argument from me. And that's why we can't let them get that, right? We can't let them say, oh, no, but the parents aren't involved. No, 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 no. The parents are involved. And they're so involved that they're going to the school board meetings and dads are showing up and moms are showing up. And they're saying, hey, look, this is how I feel whether it's masks or vaccines or whatever, whatever their trigger was. The bottom line is that they're involved. There's a group called Moms Across America. I always get new stuff from them in my inbox. Kudos to all of them. Kudos to everybody that's stepping up. But listen to this audio from Anthony Rodriguez in Bakersfield. Check this out. So I'm holding a sign here that says, I'm able my daughter says, faith is being threatened. My faith is being threatened. My family is being overtaken and my freedoms are being oppressed. Faith Okay, let me give you a little background about myself. My uncle, Roberto Bustos, led the march with Cesar Chavez in 1966. 
they called him the captain, El Capitan. He still goes around San Joaquin and teaches what happened. When I grew up, he taught me that they fought just to be equal to their counterparts back then. I feel so many years later, we are gone taken back to that point. But I'm being oppressed not because of the color of my skin, I'm being oppressed because of my ideology, which to me, that's far worse than anything else, overtaking the mind. I have five children in this school system right now. It hurts my heart just this week when they came back and said, Dad, everything that you're teaching me at home, my teacher said the opposite. My teacher said I didn't have to tell you this. This kid said this. This kid said that. As a Latino, we're faith-based. And this is what I teach my kids day in and day out. When I send them off to school, I expect them to get a higher education, a higher learning. That's what's expected. I don't expect them to be taught morality, what's right and wrong. That's my job. That's what I do. And it hurts my heart, and I'll be honest with you, it hurts my heart because we're, all of us believe in this, faith, family, and freedom. We all are on different, we all, whether, but only it feels like one side is being oppressed. I told my kids this week, now that your voice has been humbled, now it's dad's turn. It's dad's time to hold somebody responsible. So that's why we're here. We see, I see him, we just got to hold the pastor's wife, and she just said what you guys did last night. But I just want to let you know that the Latino community, especially where I come from, I've been to the White House. I just went eight months ago. We got for the biggest uh, minorities that were sent to the White House. We're going to hold everybody accountable. I normally don't do stuff uh, locally. Uh, we've done it nationally. But I'm going to get very involved, and I have a huge reaching out in my social media platform. Kudos to my guy, A-Rod, keeping it real, keeping it gangsta. Ain't nothing but a gangsta party. He had a gangsta party at the school board meeting, and that's the way it is. That's the way it's got to be. Anyway, Joe Biden is speaking, t- taking his uh, victory lap for messing things up in Afghanistan, destroying a withdrawal that was really well planned out by President Trump. And uh, we're going to hear a couple of the babosadas that Joe El Baboso Biden has to say. So keep it locked right there. Don't move a muscle. Plus, I want to get into the latest dip in his approval ratings, and more. Don't move a muscle. Rich Valdez, this is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. You're all right. What's up, America? Welcome back. Welcome back. Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media. And Joe Biden has taken to the podium. He's making his remarks, trying to take his victory lap for Afghanistan, making the case that, you know what, this had to be done. This is one of those things that had to be done because, well, because Joe El Baboso Biden said so. I don't necessarily buy that, but I want you to hear some of what he's talking about. Listen to this. Leaving August the 31st is not due to an arbitrary deadline. It was designed to save American lives. My predecessor, the former president, signed an agreement with the Taliban 
to remove U.S. troops by May the 1st, just months after I was inaugurated. It included no requirement that Taliban work out a cooperative government arrangement with the Afghan government. But it did authorize the release of 5,000 prisoners last year, including some of the Taliban's top war commanders, among those who just took control of Afghanistan. By the time I came to office, the Taliban was in its strongest military position since 2001, controlling or contesting nearly half of the country. The previous administration's agreement said that if we stuck to the May 1st deadline that they had signed on to leave by, the Taliban wouldn't attack any American forces. But if we stayed, all bets were off. So we're left with a simple decision. Either follow through on the commitment made by the last administration and leave Afghanistan, or say we weren't leaving and commit another tens of thousands more troops going back to war. That was the choice, the real choice, between leaving or escalating. I was not going to extend this forever war. So Joe Biden is there right now live. It's still going on. And he's saying this is Trump's fault, basically. Right. I mean, it it was Trump that made the decision to do the withdrawal. This is Trump's fault, not mine, even though Trump said no. But there's conditions if they advance any provinces, the deal is off. Biden says, no, it was me, not the Taliban that said we were leaving on August 31st. Really? That's funny because I heard on CBS, not CBS, Sky News, some guy named Suhail something or other. And he said, this would be viewed as an act of aggression. It would create mistrust. Google it. You'll find a video. So everything is the fault of Donaldus Magnus, El Trumpito, the 45th president of these United States, who said we should pull out at this point and this point if this is the case and if that is the case and if we've got this and if we've got that. And there was lots of conditions. I mean, Trump is on record saying these things. But Biden wants to complain, like always. Absolutely disgraceful. I'm glad Trump is on the record telling it like it is, saying that a hasty withdrawal would create a vacuum for terrorists, including ISIS and Al-Qaeda. It would instantly just fill, just like it was before September 11th happened. And he said that back in 2017. I'm looking at my cut list from Friday, and it's right in front of me. Listen to this. The consequences of a rapid exit are both predictable and unacceptable. 9-11, the worst terrorist attack in our history, was planned and directed from Afghanistan because that country was ruled by a government that gave comfort and shelter to terrorists. A hasty withdrawal would create a vacuum that terrorists, including ISIS and al-Qaeda, would instantly fill, just as happened before September 11th. So it's absolutely clear that Trump knew what he was doing. He's on the record saying it. He knew he saw this happening in 2017, which is why he said a hasty withdrawal would create a vacuum. But all along, he campaigned on it. No more forever wars. No more 20-year war. We should never have even gone to the Middle East. That's what Trump said. So to make this uh, about Trump and to say it was Trump's fault when you're the sitting commander-in-chief... And your intelligence people are the ones leaking stuff out there saying, we told him, we told him, we swear we told him. And then to his face, yes, sir, sir, yes, sir, sir, yes, sir, President Biden.
This don't smell right. Biden don't look right. And he definitely doesn't sound right. Anyway, that's all I got. Hasta la próxima. Until next time, America. If you stand for nothing, you will fall for absolutely anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. That's Sir Edmund Burke and another quote from Hamilton. So do something. Learn something. Be like my guy, Anthony Rodriguez in Bakersfield. A-Rod, shout out to Lexit and everybody out there. Rise up and do something. Because America needs you more now than she's ever needed you. Until the next time, hasta la próxima. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade.